Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Miranda. And Ashley. And Cooper's on the side. (laughs) Oh, and welcome to Sweet Arrangements. We got a little Cooper hanging out with us today. He's he's snoozing right now, so I'm going to try not to be too loud and obnoxious. (laughs) (laughs) Well, his mom is enough for that, so. Right. I was about to say, everybody that knows me just rolled their eyes and were like, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So how you been? Oh, you know, surviving. Yeah. Uh, Yep. You know, just trying to uh, run my own business and work a bunch and take care of my kid and do all of the things at once that make me feel like I'm just a little bit crazy, but I'm blessed to be able to do all those things. So amen. Amen. Oh, Mardi Gras was one for the books and now we're ready to roll and ready to provide some more testimonies for these people. Absolutely. Mardi Gras was a blast. We uh, definitely made some great memories uh, on my end. And believe it or not, we're already looking forward to 2023. So I'm ready. Me too, girl. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm excited. But yeah, we're, we're going to, um, apparently it's my turn to get. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess I'll just kind of start from the beginning. Um, and I'm going to try to keep this not as long as I would typically keep it for somebody that wants to hear my whole story. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can only, um, I can only say this, please understand that the things that I am going to reveal to you guys are no longer the person that I am now. You don't need to explain so, that to us, Miranda. That's why it's a testimony. I know. I know. So, okay. Um, I grew up in a household where my mom was a single mom. And we lived with my grandparents. My uh, mom's mom and and dad helped raise me. Um, My biological father left when I was three. um, And I didn't really see him. But maybe that I remember maybe three or four times after that. Um, But I was super duper blessed to have my uncle in my life. And uh, he was very active in my life. My grandmother and my grandfather, of course, helped raise me. And my mom, even though she worked sometimes two or three jobs just to make a living, she was still there and she was still very much a part of my life. So I was super, super blessed growing up as a kid Um, in fourth grade. So I never really had any kind of like issues with my body or my self-esteem or anything like that. I was a kid, like I was really, really blessed. And then in fourth grade, um, so I was, let's see nine years old, I guess. Yeah. We had like this, you could bring a shirt to school and all your friends could sign it and blah, blah, blah. And some little boys in my class thought that it would be funny to write wide load on the back of my shirt. Mm. And so, you know, I'm just excited. I'm writing, you know, stay cool, have a great summer on the back of every, everybody's shirt. You know how you do like you sign in the yearbook kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I look at mine and I'm like, wait, what? And of course, in my opinion, these were the cute guys in the class that had done this. Right. And, you know, I, I was, I am and still was then a TV watcher. And so like, you didn't see that kind of stuff on TV. They didn't show you that kids were bullies back then. And if they did, there was always like this awesome resolution to it. So I just assumed that everybody got along like Kelly and Jesse and Lisa off of Save of the Bell. (laughs) So it was kind of like a mind blowing thing for me. And it really kind of sent me down this like, oh my God, maybe I am fat kind of hole. Um, 
and that extended into my life, of course, throughout my middle school and high school years. And then um, once I got into high school, I was, I've always been a straight A student, graduated with honors with academic endorsement. Hey. Uh, yeah. So um, I was always very smart and I sometimes feel like I'm very smart now. Sometimes I feel like I'm a little dumb in some mm. areas. No, you're very uh, smart. You're very smart. I think I'm as we smart. all age, there's like, I'm not anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I graduated high school and I was working in a restaurant at the time. And uh, I went to a club with some friends of mine. And it was a uh, an alternate lifestyle club, let's say that. Um, and all of these men that were not interested in me were telling me how beautiful I was. And um, I don't even want to call it an alternative lifestyle club. At that time, it was an alternative lifestyle club. It was it was <laughs> a, a a gay bar, for lack of a better term. Like, right. I went to a drag show, and all of these gorgeous men were oh my god you are so beautiful and I was probably at my lowest point of my life ever at that point because I just you know everybody else had had a boyfriend everybody else had had a life blah 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 I was just kind of the smart kid that had a lot of friends but didn't really have anything to show for high school so to speak in my opinion which is ridiculous okay (laughs) I was ridiculous and uh so I immediately like clung to these people because they showed me true love And I will say this right now, I have several friends from that period of my life that have all survived what we went through and are still some of my dearest friends to this day. And I am so grateful for them. I'm going to cry a little bit. I'm sorry, y'all. That's okay. I'm so grateful for them because there a couple of them showed me that I could get out and a couple of them watched that we got out and came behind us too, you know, so, um, To make a long story very, 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 very short, um, that time in my life, uh, I used to tell people, you know, one day I went to sleep and the next day I woke up and all of my friends were gay guys and I loved it. I've always gotten along better with, uh, with guys than I did with girls, probably because I was one of three girls. (laughs) Um, and so, um, you know, I loved it. I loved my, they were my family. They were the people that I could count on. Um, and you know, in the club scene, regardless of what type of type of club you go to, there is always some sort of drug abuse going on by someone, a patron, a bartender, uh, owner, anybody. Um, it just depends on, you know, who it is as far as what they're doing. And so um, I kind of fell into this, let's do this ecstasy and see what happens. And then it went from doing a little bit of ecstasy to selling a little bit of ecstasy Mm. and then to selling a lot of bit of ecstasy. Um, And then from there, uh, one of my friends said, Hey, have you ever done ice? And I was like, I'm sorry, what now? (laughs) And I was oblivious. Okay, guys, like I was raised in the church, went to summer camp every summer, gave my heart to Jesus every summer, like was in the youth group, like. I was I was saved for all intents and purposes and I was like no but let's do it (laughs) and then I found this drug that was fun to do it was methamphetamine so 
I figured out that you could smoke it, you could snort it, you could do all these things with it. I was absolutely never going to put it in my arm, though. I knew that that made me a drug addict if I ever shot up. So I was like, mm, nope, can't shoot up, but I'll do everything else. This is fun. All of a sudden, I'm starting to lose weight. Uh, I'm beginning to um, have more energy and stay up and get things done. <laughs> So this is where my ridiculous brain was at at this moment. Like I'm saying it like that because I want you guys to understand that that's actually how I was thinking. Like, okay, now I'm finally getting skinny. Now I'm finally motivated to do things. Now I finally have energy to do things. Mm-hmm. And reality, I was killing myself. Yep. And I had no idea. I had no idea because I was oblivious. Um, and I mean, I went through several years of chasing a high that I did not need to chase. Um, I went from just doing things in the clubs on the weekends to it being a full-time lifestyle to making my own drugs and selling my own drugs. Um, at one point in my life, um, I would go home all the time. I would go home every you know, whenever I came down from a high and was broke all of a sudden, I'd go home and sleep for a couple of days and go back out and get high again. And, um, it's the unfortunate cycle that an addict goes through. Uh-huh. And, uh, my sweet mama, God bless her. She put up with me for a very long time. And, uh, what I kind of left out for you guys actually is that in 95, um, or no, yeah, 90, 95. Yes. Um, my mom married, my dad, my stepdad. Um, and prior to that, he was my neighbor. So he was the the man that my sister picked his flowers out of his flower bed. And I always bothered him trying to get him to sell something or buy something out of the drugstore ad for my <laughs> fundraiser, quote unquote, you know, um, we were the aggravating little kids next door and he still <laughs> married my mom. Okay. So, like if that tells you anything, that should tell you right there. Like he is, he's the man. <laughs> uh, and then in 99, my baby sister Kylie was born. So um, there's three of us girls now. And my dad uh, will always love us all as if we were all his own. And that means the world to me. So um, there was an incident at one point where I came home from a bender. And uh, I was just very, I was a very violent person. And I don't know why, because I'm really not a violent person. Um, now, I will, if I have to be, I can pull my hood out of my back pocket, but I try <laughs> to keep it back there because it don't belong out in the public. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, I would get very defensive and very violent, and I don't even remember what the argument was that me and my mom had that day, uh, but it became physical. Um and just so you guys know, I was not winning the fight. Okay. My mama was winning that fight. So when your mama looks at you and says, I can still take you out. She means it. <laughs> she means it. So not only did my mama take me out, <laughs> uh, but my baby sister got so scared that she called the police and they showed up and, uh, and they took me to jail. And that was the beginning of a, uh, six round cycle of um trips to jail in handcuffs Mm -hmm. 
So, um, you know, in the time frame from graduating high school to uh, about August of 2006. So that's three years. Okay. I have been down and I know three years doesn't sound like a whole lot to everybody, but when you stay awake for three three years, basically, (laughs) uh, you slept for like six months of those three years total. Um, (laughs) It's more like six years. So um, it was a very long period of my life that was just, I, I can't even explain it. Like I literally was, I did things I've never, never thought I would do in my entire life. Like hateful things, mean things, rude things, just, I hurt people that I never, ever, ever wanted to hurt. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I kind of just, I, I ran the roads. I went from one friend group to another and then to another and then to another, you know, and I, I kind of ended up in this, this group of friends at the very end that was, um, they were all raised in drug addiction. All they knew was drug addiction and they were, you know, that was their lifestyle. And so I became accustomed to that. And I was like, Oh, okay. So this is how we live. All right, cool. And I thought, well, I found my people and uh ended up one night um the guy that I was seeing at the time and I got into a altercation and uh I called my mom to pick me up which my mom bless her heart god love her I don't know how she did it like if you were a mama and you were fighting for your baby keep fighting because I'm telling you, that's what saved my life was my mom fighting for me, mm-hmm. but still staying far enough back to let me make my own mistakes. Um, sorry, y'all. I really promised myself I would not cry through this whole thing. So <laughs> <laughs> there's no you know, way you can promise yourself that. <laughs> Just don't squall. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. Yeah. OK. All right. I had to explain that word to somebody this weekend, by the way. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so um, I uh, had a little altercation with him. He threw all my stuff in the yard. My mom came and picked me up. We went home. The next day, I was complaining about my back hurting. And um, in 96, I had metal rods put in my back from scoliosis. Um, So I was always really concerned that I would do something that would hurt myself and one of the rods would break or something like that. You know, just the fact that you see on TV that the random things that never really happened, but all, all of a sudden happened to one person, I'm that person. So I'm like, Oh God, I just know I broke this rod. That's unbreakable. Uh-huh. <laughs> so my mom took me to the emergency room and, uh, the doctor came in and said, Miss Ray, um, an x-ray on you because you're pregnant. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and of course that's not what I said but it was this is the appropriate version for this podcast um, <laughs> I proceeded to scream cry, wail, squall <laughs> um, because I was so mad that I just knew who I knew who the father of my child was because that's who I'd been with and uh, I was like I can't believe this and not only was he the wrong person for me to be with at the time but his first name was the same as my fa- my biological father's first name so that should have been my first clue right there okay mm-hmm. 
but whatever, it wasn't. So the Lord was just like, mm-hmm, okay, you want to act a fool? Here you go. <laughs> Not really. Like, I don't believe that at all. Because what really happened is, at that moment, my mom and my dad looked at me and said, it's okay. We're going to love that baby, and we're going to take care of that baby, and we're going to do whatever it takes. And all of a sudden, I realized that they loved me in spite of myself. That they loved me enough to love my kid. And that's what saved my life, y'all. Um, the entire time I was pregnant, I did not do any drugs. I stayed sober because I knew that I had watched so many kids be taken from their parents. So many parents lose their children because of their drug addictions. And all I wanted was to give my child the right life that, it, that he or she deserved. I didn't know what it was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I get really emotional at this point. It's okay. Um, when I found out I was having a little boy, I really wanted my son to have his father in his life. So I made every effort to make that happen. Um, but the problem is with an addict is that you cannot help them if they do not want to be helped. Um, they are basically choosing to stay tied to a demon and instead of the demon holding on to them they are holding on to the demon Uh and uh so after about gosh lj was probably like okay so he's born in 2007 um he was probably about six months old i had tried everything to make it work I had even kind of let his father do his own thing and I would go and bring LJ to see his father. And then his father hit me in my mouth. So I proceeded to shut his leg in the truck door and drag him around in circles until I could finally like not be blacked out and realize, Oh, people are screaming at me to stop before I murder this guy. So (laughs) let me just say like my kid was in the car with me. Don't hit me. Number one, but please don't hit me in front of me. Because I am liable to kill you. So there's your warning, United States of America. (laughs) (laughs) And other countries that may be listening. Um, So anyway, I'm trying to break up the emotional stuff for me. So I'm trying to make my own jokes. (laughs) Not working. Uh, Okay, so. um, So, yeah, so that was like the last time that we really saw him. And um, he ended up going to prison after that. And even then, I still thought, well, if I'm a good mom, I'll try to keep him in LJ's life. And uh, it didn't work out like that. I got so overwhelmed with trying to take care of someone that was behind bars that really did not want me to take care of him that I lost my mind and I went back to the streets. So probably for about six months, I ran away and I left my kid with my parents. Um, so much so that, um, some custody things had to be worked out at the time so that they could take him to the doctor and those types of things. Um, and then one day, uh, as I would do in my addicted, uh, riddled state, I went back home to my mom's and I remember so vividly. And let me just say this y'all, like LJ has always been very advanced for his age. Like he's very smart very like he could talk really early and just very like he's very intelligent 
So I was sitting in my mom's room in October of 2008. And um, he, so LJ was born in March of 2007. So that makes him a little over a year old. Uh-huh. And I'm sitting in my mom's bedroom. And I don't even recall seeing my child prior to walking in the house and sitting in this spot. But I remember this like it was yesterday. <laughs> I'm sitting on my mom's bed and down the hall into her room comes my son walking. And he says, Mama. And I just broke. Because I realized that I had done to him the same thing that all of these mamas had done to their babies. But yet he still recognized who I was. And he still loved me. I'm sorry, y'all. It's okay. And I'm not going to edit out the tears either because I want you guys to hear my heart. Even in my addiction, the love of that child reached me. And so I was like, okay. You know, and in that moment, like, it didn't bring me to tears. But it was like, okay, shit. Like, I have, excuse my French. I'm sorry, y'all. And then my kid. And I have got to do better by him. So I stayed with my mom for a few days. And then we went to, uh, this is where my story gets really cool, by the way, guys. So there may not be much more crying. I don't know who knows anymore. Um, I can cry the whole time. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it was a Saturday. My baby sister played softball her entire life from the time that she was three to the time that she was 18. Um, and she, of course, had a tournament that weekend. So... Me, my sister Tiffany, who's three years younger than me, and my baby sister Kylie, my mom and my dad, we all went to the ballpark. And uh, growing up, Tiffany and I, because we were so close in age, we fought all the time. Like, there were several times that she slammed my hand in the car door. <laughs> my my mom used to drive an old Pontiac where you just had to push the seat forward. Like, it didn't have a lever or anything like that. So, if I got in the front seat, Tiffany would lay in the back and kick the back of the front seat. Like it was, it was vicious. We had a vicious relationship. <laughs> um, but this particular day, I'm going to try not to cry y'all. I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were watching Kylie play ball and I told Tiffany, I was like, I don't want to go home. What are you doing after this? Because I knew I could not go and sit and be bored because then I would want to go out and get high again. And she's like, Oh, I'm going to HOH which stood for House of Horrors. It was a haunted house. I have to say it like that because otherwise it sounds like a different word. Correct. <laughs> um, which was a haunted house in, uh, in Mobile that uh, was run by a church. So it was a Christian haunted house. And uh, so I grew up Baptist. So let me, let me kind of pause there and say this. I grew up Baptist. And in the church that I grew up in, it wasn't really like if you raised your hand, you had a question kind of thing. Like you didn't raise your hand in worship. Speaking in tongues was not something that we were taught. Um, we really didn't learn a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, it was very Southern Baptist. Just, you know, it, it was different. Now, I had some wonderful youth leaders throughout my time. Um, that I still consider my family today that really taught me more than what the typical church Sunday would teach me. But still, I had never been around a um, Pentecostal type assemblies of God, uh, Holy Spirit filled 
speaking in tongues, laying hands on people type of church. But I knew that's what type of church this was putting this on. And so I looked at my sister and I said, there is absolutely no freaking way. And I probably said the F word um, (laughs) that I'm going to go to this because they're either going to like, I'm sure they handle snakes and I'm definitely afraid of snakes. They handle snakes. She's like, Miranda, there's a snake in the haunted house because it's scary. And I'm like, okay, see, I'm not going. Uh She's like, no, come on. It's fine. I was like, oh my God, they're going to lay hands on me. They're going to start speaking in tongues. Like, I I can't do this, Tiffany. She's like, I'm telling you right now, they're not going to do all that unless you ask them to. Like, just, just come. And I'm like, well, I don't have anything to wear. So again, like I'm giving her like seven or eight different excuses. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm constantly like, well, I can't, I can't go. I don't have anything to wear. I can't go. I don't have anything to eat. Blah, 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 blah. And my sister, who I was not very close to at the time. And who I thought actually resented me for leaving LJ because she did pretty much raise him while I was gone. Um, brings me to Dollar Tree and buys me a black shirt because, yes, I could fit in those sizes at that time, ladies and gentlemen. I know it's a shocker. Um, <laughs> but she brought me to Dollar Tree, bought me a black shirt. She bought me snacks and all that stuff and drinks for the night. And, uh, and we went to HOH. And I remember sitting down on the floor in the hallway because you would wait at the uh, casting office to get your part and and we had to be early because my sister had to be first in line oh anyway (laughs) so we're sitting there and I'm seeing all these people walk by and they're you know they're saying hey to Tiffany or whatever and they keep walking you know they're all kind of busy and I was just like okay maybe it's not that bad nobody's been like oh you got demons on you you know that kind of thing um because I was not ready like I'm telling you right now had somebody looked at me and been like you have an addiction and the Lord told you to break it right now. I'd be like, oh, I got to go. <laughs> now, I'm not that, here's the thing, guys. If I'm te- if the Lord tells you to walk up to somebody and say you're addicted, and the Lord said to let it go right now. If he tells you to say that, do it. Yes. But that was not what I needed at that moment. And the Lord knew that. So um, I walked into the HOH uh, casting office area. And when I did... The people got so excited that were in there. Um, I will never forget Casey and Katie specifically were so excited to see me that they, oh my God, Miranda, you're Tiffany's sister. We're here. You can do anything you want. What do you want to do? And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and they were like, well, we have all kinds of parts. We've got clowns. I was like, no, we've got vampires. We've got that one. Da, 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 da. And I was like, uh, I'll, I'll be a vampire. I kind of like Buffy growing up. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> so um within the first week or two of me being there and volunteering every single day it gave me something to live for you know um it gave me a uh an outlet to not only serve god which i didn't even realize i was doing okay mm-hmm. but to be with people and these people never once said i know you're addicted to meth let me pray for you They never once did that. I actually had one of the ladies pull me to the side and say, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, what? (laughs) I don't know. And she's like, that's cool. She's like, well, where do you feel like you're at in life right now? I was like, I I really don't know. I mean, I just, I just want to be happy. And she's like, I get that completely. If you need me, I'm here for you. And I was like, wow. You know, like there was no accusation. There was no. I didn't feel like I was less than they were, Mm -hmm. you know, 
And so <clears throat> we would sit in the parking lot. We didn't close until midnight, so we wouldn't get out until about 2 a.m. And uh, every night we would sit in the parking lot and we would listen to music and smoke a cigarette, of course, and uh, and talk about the day. And um, one night <laughs> we were flipping through the radio stations and the song I Can Only Imagine came on. And all of a sudden, I had all of these emotions come back to me from when I was in youth group with my favorite youth pastor and his wife, Jonathan and Hallie Maddox. Um, shout out to you guys if you hear this. I love you both very much. Um, and that was his favorite song at the time. And I felt all this loving emotion. And I don't know if, whew, okay, sorry, y'all. I don't know if in that moment they were praying for me and I could feel them praying for me or if other people were praying for me or what, or if it was just the opportunity that the Lord had to knock down the wall of my heart. And I just got out of the car and I got down on the ground in the parking lot of this haunted house at like four in the morning, y'all. And I just cried and I said, I want to be saved. I don't want to do this anymore. And when I tell you that the Lord reached down in that moment, he touched my life and he set me free from a meth addiction and I have once gone back. Amen. And like when I say set free, y'all, let me tell you this. There are addicts out there right now that have been clean for 10, 20, 30 years and they still sometimes may think about the drugs. They may consider them and be like, man, you know, I... I really just want to have one more good night. Like I had a friend of mine that uh, is a recovering alcoholic the other day say, I just, you know, sometimes I just think maybe I just want to have one more good night. Uh. And I was like, no, I, I, I never really feel that way. I'm sorry. I can't relate because I don't. Uh And that's what freedom looks like. And uh, you make him a nose burn. Stop. I'm sorry. (laughs) My (laughs) eyes are raw for me wiping my eyes. I'm sorry. Um, But I want you guys to know, like, True freedom looks like that. True freedom looks like I don't need that, nor do I want, nor do I even think about that anymore. And uh, the Lord told me within the next couple of days that I was going to go into master's commission the next year because I told the, I told God, I was like, okay, all right, buddy, you want to do this. You want to set me free. What do I do next? I can't live a sober life. I have never lived a sober adult life. I went from high school to drug life. Help. <laughs> And, uh, and the Lord was like, okay, well, give me nine months of your life in master's commission. So master's commission is a ministry school. Um, it was nine months and, uh, there was one in Mobile. There's also one in the city that I live in now. Um, and that is who was putting on the haunted house every year. So I was like, uh, I don't know if I can be away from my kid for nine more months, Lord. Like I've already been away from him for however long, you know, like, why would you ask me to be away from him for nine months? Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I felt the Lord say to me, if you give me nine months, I'm going to give you the rest of your life. Ooh. And I was like, I got the chibi willies. I got the chili willies. <laughs> I was like, okay, buddy, you've lost it, but okay, let's do this. <laughs> because, you know, in that moment, I had to make a choice. I had to either believe that the promises of God were true. Or I had to let the enemy tell me, there's no way that the Lord's going to do that. You should never give up that time with your kid. That's selfish. And see, the difference in that is the condemnation from the enemy of my selfishness and making me feel shameful and guilty 
Whereas the Lord has said, if you do this for me, I promise you, I'll give you the rest of your life. But it's up to you. But if you do it, this is my promise. So that's the difference. That's, I chose to listen to that voice. And so went into master's commission the following year. And I, I want to say thank you to every single person that I had interaction with. I'm going to cry again. <laughs> Shoot. Uh, so uh, now that I'm done squalling, <laughs> as Ashley would <laughs> like me to say, um, <laughs> I went through that nine months and I met some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. Um, made some amazing friends that I've had for life since then. And I really learned that it was okay to live a clean life. And I learned how to follow God in that. And then um, finish my, finish, bleh, finished master's commission, uh, graduated and moved back in with my mom and my dad, um, got a job, got a car, took care of me and my kiddo. Um, and then in, let's see, 2000 and trying to do math and my brain does not like it. <laughs> 2012 October 2012 so I would go back every single year I wouldn't say every single year most years I would go back at least once to HOH and I would donate my time in uh, doing makeup and special effects and um, working at some point in the house to help Um, because I believed so much in the ministry just because not only was I part of the ministry but I was saved and set free because I was volunteering. Okay. Uh And I'm telling you right now, had those people not shown me love and not condemnation, the Lord would not have been able to reach me. Yeah. You know, so it was all about how they chose to approach me. So, um, so yeah, I went back in 2012 and I had called my friend Brian, who was running masters at the time. And I said, Hey, I really want to come help out today, but I really would like to come to the worship time beforehand. Because every day um, at like one o'clock we would have worship and then we would start makeup at like two. And uh, he was like, yeah, of course. Like you're always welcome. Your family, come on. And I went and I'll never forget. Um, my friend Trey was playing the guitar and he, he's Latraniump, by the way. So if you are, uh, if you like synth pop music or like to hear new awesome artists, please check out Latraniump. Um he is phenomenal and I'll actually share one of his songs on our, our uh, Facebook page for you guys too. But um, at the time he was a a young kind of shy kiddo in master's commission. And so um, he was playing his guitar and there's something so beautiful about a room full of two to 300 young adults that just love God and just want to live for him. And they just want to sing to a guitar. It's not like, uh, you know, professional or anything like that, but it was, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever been a part of. Yeah. And so Trey was singing and playing and, um, I began to pray and I was like, Lord, I need you to overwhelm me right now because I just felt like I was, um, a little far from him. And he did. When I tell you, it felt like there was so much peace that I felt like I was drowning in, but I could breathe. Mm. and that's the only way I can explain it and so as soon as I like I want to say caught my breath you know what I mean like as soon as I kind of like you know I I said okay Lord what do you want me to do next 
because I knew that this, this moment, this environment, this place was the place that I got set free. And this was the place that I knew the Lord would speak to me. I'm sorry, y'all. I swear to God, I said I was done crying. I don't know what my problem is. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to get it together one day. It won't be today. So, uh, the Lord told me he was going to take me in a new direction. And I, as a good Southern Baptist young woman usually does said, that's great. I just don't want to go to China because, you know, as a kid, you learn about missionaries to China all the time. So I was like, I don't want to go to China, but I'll go anywhere else. Okay. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, be careful what you say, (laughs) because slowly, but surely over the next week, the Lord began to tell me that I was moving to Lafayette, Louisiana. (laughs) and I was like "Mm, no 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 I'm not so here's my rebellious side no I'm not Lord I'm not moving over there I'm an Alabama fan and they don't like my kind (laughs) and the Lord just probably sat back and did exactly what Ashley just did laughed at me (laughs) like okay sure (laughs) and uh yeah so I was like okay Lord well if you want me to move you're gonna have to make it happen And I imagine that he probably, like, dusted off his hands and was like, all right, little girl, let me show you what I got. Yeah. So, uh, to give a little bit of backstory, Ashley and I met each other in 2009 or 10. So, let me think. We moved there in April of 9. We probably started going there. Yeah, it was probably the beginning of 10. Okay. Yeah. So, we met in 2010. Which was a long time ago, ladies and gentlemen. Um, And uh, I, at that time in my life, even though I had been through master's commission, I roomed with girls. I had friends that were girls. And I had some really good, awesome friends. I never had a friend outside of that master's commission bubble. And um, I don't know what it was about Ashley. I don't know if it was her Cajun accent or (laughs) what it was. But I just, like, took to her really easily. And... She was literally my first female friend outside of the Master's Commission bubble. And the first female that I felt like, wow, I really love her and I want her to be my best friend. Oh, and um, don't you start. I stopped crying already. <laughs> um, Burn it again. Oh, crap. <laughs> so here we sit 12 years later uh, with a total between the two of us of four children. I only have the one. <laughs> ha ha ha. Um, but I have been very blessed to watch our kids grow up just from that chance meeting of them, you know, happening to come to church, uh, at the church that I was at and, um, just, I love you, Ashley. I'm done. I'm going to shut up now. Okay. So anyway, let's go back to the whole thing of me moving to Louisiana and me being a a belligerent butthole. Okay. (laughs) So I'm like, I'm not moving there. I'm not doing it. Blah, blah, blah. Ashley and Derek had lived in Mobile. That's how we met. Um, and then they moved to Raleigh, correct? Right after was let, Raleigh. Let me just interject here okay, and say the same feeling you had about coming to Louisiana. When we got orders to Mobile, I said to Derek, well, you're going to have to go alone because they <laughs> like they don't take to my kind there. Oh, my I, God. That's funny. I'm an LSU fan. I can't move to Mobile. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> but I went. But I still flew that LSU flag on that main street. You mm-hmm. sure did. Uh, uh. <laughs> and I would roll up in my little car with my Alabama license plate and my Alabama stickers all over and I'd be like, ugh. 
And they're like, hey, girl, what's up? <laughs> oh, God. So thank God for people that love us in spite of our football loves, right? And that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so they had lived in Mobile at the time that I met them. And then they moved to Raleigh, North Carolina. And it was really hard for me to watch you guys move that time. Because, like I said, you were very important to me. And um, so I made a decision. I was like, you know what? I am, I really like traveling. We got to do a lot of that with Master's Commission. I'm going to go and I'm going to see my friends. And at the time I was working at a daycare. And so I took our spring break. LJ was on spring break and I really wanted to take him. He was kindergarten on an actual road trip where you drive to somewhere you eat at rest areas out of a cooler in the back of your car and you only stop at the gas station to pee and get gas. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, <laughs> the old school road trip. <laughs> so, and this was prior to like, you know, having major electronic devices all the time, that kind of thing. Um, I'm not even sure if I had a GPS that I used when I came or hmm. because I remember having like one of the little slide phones. It wasn't even a flip phone. It was a slide phone. You might have had like a little Garmin that you, I don't know. I think I did. I think I had borrowed my sister's that time. Like this was back in the day, y'all. Okay. Let's just say that. It seems like way back in the day now, but. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, so we made the trip to Raleigh and, uh, it was really a cool trip. Cause I got here Berlin's heartbeat for the first time. Yep. Well, we with you guys. Out. Yep. We found out it was a girl. Yep. Um, so that was really cool. And then uh, we went to lunch that same day. And my boss from the daycare called me and fired me over the phone. Yep. And so I'm the kind of person that I don't really panic at certain stuff. Well, okay, I won't say that. There's cert- I don't panic at everything. No, I, I'll, I'll give you that. You're more of a, okay, well, all right, let me see what we're going to do about this. You know, you're, yeah. you're more level-headed as far as let's not knee-jerk react. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I try to do is I try not to be like, okay, well, it happened. Crap happens. Forrest Gump taught me that. Okay. (laughs) Crap happens. So you either like learn from it, move on, or you just let it eat at you, but you've got to learn from it, move on. So I was like, I looked at Ashley and I was like, I mean, I'm unemployed. What do I do? (laughs) And she's like, well, I guess you need to start applying in life yet. And I was like, I don't even have a resume. Well, this thing says, oh, it's all right. I'm going to make you a resume when we get home. And I was like, oh. Because I was so rebellious and just, I did not want to move to Louisiana. I did not want to be around LSU fans. I heard that they were horrible. Okay. Like, I thought that Ashley and Derek were the exception. That they were just the only, like, nice LSU fans. I will say after nine years in Lafayette, I have learned that's not the truth. (laughs) so um the devil yeah, is so <laughs> oh my god so we um we applied for a few jobs I realized about halfway through that I had attached the wrong cover letter to every single application that was in April <laughs> and then in May uh, I knew so the Lord had told me I was going to move in June and I was like ha ha here it is April I don't even have a job well, May comes around, I get a call to interview at a place, a uh, dental office, and I'm like, okay. So I make the drive, do the interview. They offer me the job on the spot with benefits, exactly the dollar amount that I figured I needed 
to live, you know, because you, I give, I gave the Lord and I'm not telling y'all to do this, please know, like, this is probably not the proper practice. Okay. <laughs> but this is what I did. And again, check your Bible before you do all that. This is biblical or not, but this is what I did. I told the Lord, I said, I need to make this many dollars and this many cents every hour. I need this benefit, this benefit, this benefit, this benefit. And I want to do this type of work or I'm not going. <laughs> okay. Now, I could have thought that that was my idea and it might have been an idea the Lord planted in my head. I was probably just arrogant at the time and the Lord probably told me that was what was going to happen and I just thought it was my idea. Who right. knows? <laughs> He's probably sitting up there right now going, uh-huh, see, you finally got it nine years later, didn't you? <laughs> anyway. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so I uh, got offered the job on the spot, exact dollar amount. So that was about probably about three weeks before I was supposed to move, right? They asked me to start working on June the 3rd, which was the first Monday in June. And I was like, okay, great. So I made the drive from the office I interviewed at in New Orleans to Lafayette to look for somewhere to live. Did not find anything. Um, then I came back a couple weeks later and looked again, couldn't find anything. And then the last week I just drove over the day before I was supposed to move. Um, shout out to Corey. Watts for letting me borrow his car multiple times to come to Lafayette because oh. my car was not going to make it. Thank you. Thank you, Corey. <laughs> um, came over the day before, found a house. It was a little townhouse, a little two bedroom, one and a half bath. I thought I was living large. Didn't know I was kind of in the hood. Um, but nevertheless, I found a shelter for me and my son. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly what I could afford. Close to work, close to church, close to everything. Um, and then literally the night before I was supposed to leave, um, I had basically told the Lord, I have no money. You want me to go, you have to make it happen. And I honestly, I wish I would have written down all of the ways that the Lord brought the funds around for me. Um, because now I don't remember all of them, but I do remember the very last moment. I mean, like 11 o'clock the night before I'm supposed to roll out. Now, keep in mind, I have no money. I'm not, I don't have all of the money I need, rather. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm supposed to move the next morning, but I know I don't have all the money. But in faith, what I did, so faith without works is dead. It says in the Bible. So in faith, what I did, I was still in rebellion, but I was still walking in faith. I still packed all my crap loaded all my crap in a horse trailer that my uncle came and pulled for me the next day. My uncle, who was entirely too busy for everything, bless his sweetheart, took the time to pull a horse trailer with all my crap to Lafayette, okay? Aww. So, um, I did all that in faith, knowing I did not have enough money to move. Now, had I sat on my behind and waited for that money to come in, it may never have come. But because I showed my, I took that step of faith, and I, I put forth the faith acts, mm-hmm. the Lord came through on his promises. And at like 11 o'clock that night, I got a call from the church I was attending at the time. And they said, hey, we have a little check for you. It's not much. It's a little over $100. Uh, we hope it helps. And when I tell you it was exactly to make the goal that I had set for myself to be able to move, it was exactly the dollar amount. Wow. And so I went and picked up the check. I cried, of course. And I was like, Crap. I really got to move to Louisiana. (laughs) (laughs) And let me just tell y'all this, like best decision I ever made. 
Um, you know, I went from, it, it was really hard for me to be LJ's mom and live with my mom at the same time, especially since I had kind of abandoned him for a while because she still had that really protective, like, I want to make sure he's safe and that you're not going to lose your crap. Right. When I went to my mom and told her that I was going to move to Louisiana, that's where I felt like the Lord had told me to go. She was like, okay. And then I realized, oh God, that really was the Lord because otherwise my mom would be showing her behind. (laughs) Um, and so it was really hard for me to be his mom living in Alabama because my mom was his mom and my mom at the time, you know? So moving here literally changed our lives. It made me step into becoming a mother. It made me become a good mom and fight for what I have and fight for what I need. And, um, I had the opportunity and let me just show you guys how the Lord really keeps true to his promise. And I'm going to cry. I just want y'all to know that. So remember, I told you that the Lord told me if I would give him nine months of masters, he would give me the rest of my life because I'd already walked away from my kid. I didn't want to walk away again. And so, uh, about probably about two, maybe three years ago, um, I was asked by my church to give my testimony for their baptism service. And, um, I was like, okay, so I did. And, uh, part of my testimony is of course, child. and I had to sit LJ down and say, Hey buddy, listen, you're going to hear this part of my story. And I just want to see if you have any questions now. I don't want it to be sprung on you. Like, I want you to understand what's going to come out in front of the whole church. Mm-hmm. And he goes, wait, you, you left me. And I said, yeah, I said, I did. I said, it wasn't really me. It was me before Christ touched my life. But yes, yes, I did. I walked away for a little bit, buddy. He's like, I just can't believe it. I don't believe that. You didn't do that. I said, I'm sorry. I did. It wasn't, it wasn't your mama as she is now, but I did do it. Yes. I'm sorry. And, uh, and the, the disbelief on his face, you know, he was like, oh my gosh. So aunt Tiffany was right. She did raise me part of my life. Like, I can't believe it. I I don't remember that at all. And in that moment, the Lord said, I told you, if you would give me nine months of your life, I'll give you the rest of your life. And it made me realize that the Lord can restore everything that the enemy has stolen. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you he has even down to like physical things that I lost when I was on drugs, he has restored those things to me and to my family and not only that but the emotional things you know I have a great relationship with my sisters and my mom and my dad and um, my grandmother was able to before she passed away sorry she was able to look at me and say I am so proud of you and so those are things that I could not have gotten had I not allowed the Lord to come in and change my life. Like if you love someone that is walking through addiction, you're not really battling with them. You're battling with the enemy. You're battling with the demon that's attached to them. Mm -hmm. You just have to choose to love them. And whatever love looks like for you, maybe it's tough love. Maybe it's that love that says, look, I love you, but I cannot let you back in my home because you are currently destroying everything that I have you're taking my things you're ruining my life I love you and I'm here for you but I have to love you from a distance if that's what it looks like that's fine if love 
for that addict looks like, come on, move in with me. Let me help you. Let me love you. Then love that person. Because I'm telling you right now, that is what will break the chains of addiction is love. So I promise you, if I can survive, if I can make it out, anybody can. And I know that I was only on drugs for three years-ish. But guys, let me tell you something. Do you know how quickly six months can turn into a lifetime? And it doesn't matter that you were on it for three years. There's people that do it time and they OD and they die. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's that's my story. If you guys have someone that is addicted or if you are a recovering addict or if you need somebody to talk to because you want to recover, please, please, please know I'm here for you. Um, when the Lord set me free, I had to learn to give my testimony. And right now, my master's commission director would be rolling his eyes because he was like, it's supposed to be a two-minute testimony. Um, <laughs> but um, I had to learn to give my testimony. And I, I kept thinking to myself, like, I don't want to tell people this. Like, I don't want them to judge me. Because here's the truth, guys. When you are a, a previous addict, I'm not even going to say recovering because I'm a set-free addict. I was previously Man. an addict in a different life. Um, when you are a set-free addict, people will sometimes look at you and worry that you've gone back to that life um which you know my mom is awesome and she just said to me when I started working at uh at the karaoke bar you know do you think bartending would open up doors for you to be tempted and I was like no because I don't want that stuff like they could wave it in front of my face with a thousand dollars and I'd be like no I'd rather be broke thank you very much (laughs) like no, I mean, I'm definitely two times the size that I was. Okay, I'm not two times the size. I'm 100 pounds heavier than I was when I was at my peak of drug use. But I'd rather be 100 pounds heavier and happy and peaceful than to be skinny and miserable and dying, you know? Yep. So, yeah. So, uh, I've been living in Lafayette now for nine years and had some wonderful jobs and now the lord has brought my best friend back to lafayette with me and uh we are (laughs) reunited and it feels so good baby holla 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 (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys uh i'm done crying now so i'll let ashley take over (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for sharing that um I know other details of it that you you chose not to to share, and that's fine. That's your testimony. Um, but I'm proud of you for doing this on our platform that we have. And um, I'm just like our other Miranda Davis. I'm positive that this is going to touch someone's life, and you're going to save someone's life. And my nose is burning again. I was done crying. <laughs> We're sorry, guys. We don't cry like this all the time. And I'm humbled and I'm blessed to have you in my life as a friend. And I know I didn't know you before that life, but God allowed us to meet at the time that we met for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, maybe I wasn't mature enough at the time to have met you prior to you being saved but I know now 
um, as naive as I am or was, and as sheltered as I was growing up, I would not have known what to do if I met you at that time. I probably would have shut you off. I would have judged you because I didn't know about any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I am happy to say now that I can see um, you on the other side of it. And I'm grateful for that opportunity to continue to walk through life with you on this side of that addiction. Thank you. And um, I hope that you continue to share your story and your testimony. And I honestly, I hope people reach out. Um, after hearing your testimony, Miranda's testimony, I hope people reach out, even if it's not to us, that they reach out to someone else and they say, I have a problem or I need help or Lord help. I, I hope they find Christ yeah. in these testimonies and see that um, we are the walking Bibles people and um, oh, Cooper <laughs> and um He's crying. I'm crying. You're crying. Though. Right. <laughs> and I just, I hope people realize we are the walking Bibles. No one is perfect. Um, you know, my church in San Antonio, I loved our, our, I don't know if you'd say a slogan, but our motto of the church was there's no perfect people allowed. Our church is a hospital. It's not for perfect people. Every one of us are broken y'all. Every single yeah. one of yeah. us are broken. And we're meant to be broken so that you can allow Jesus in your heart so he can restore you and you can experience the peace and freedom that he has for us. Yeah. And uh, so thank you again for sharing your testimony. Um, I'm getting nervous for sharing mine because I feel sometimes some of the things like you said, like you don't want to be judged and you don't want people to look at you differently. But that contradiction that I just said people need to look at you differently because I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together or yeah. didn't have it all together. And Jesus restored us and restored our hearts. And now Absolutely. we are walking in the faith and freedom of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah. And listen, guys, the Bible says that we are made overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. There are two things that go hand in hand. So yes, Jesus sets us free and we become overcomers, but the word of our testimony is what helps us to overcome things. And Ashley can tell you this, the moment that she opened up about some things was the moment that she began to feel freedom. So I want you guys to know that we are here for you. If you want to reach out to us directly, you can. Um, we have an email, which is questions at sweet-arrangement.com. We have a phone number that you can call and leave us a voicemail at 337-205-2366. Of course, we're on Facebook as Sweet Arrangement. And then on Instagram at sweet.arrangement. And listen, if you guys are struggling with drugs and you don't want to call us, or you don't want to call anyone that knows you there's options there's a national drug helpline that's 24 hours a day seven days a week 365 days a year and it's free and that number is 844-289-0879 do not walk around scared and alone please know that there are people here 
that love you and that you matter to. Yeah. Because you matter to us. We love you. And not just because you're our listeners, but because you've allowed us an opportunity to be who we are and you've loved us beyond ourselves. Yeah. For. Okay. So I guess this is the prequel to what's to come next week. No. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Uh, I've st- I'll be honest with y'all. Um, I, I'm going to put it on here too. I have to talk to my husband and let him know I'm about to share, um, you know, some things. Yeah. And I'm sure he'll be supportive, but I'm also sure it's going to be a shock to him that I'm going to um, talk about it. Um, I don't like to talk about it very much, but when I do talk about it, I know that I'm not alone and that there's other people. And that again, my test is my testimony. And if this means it's going to help someone get through whatever they're going through, then we're going to continue to do this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, don't I can't forget- wait. I'm so proud of you. Oh, I'm proud of you. And as one of the best mamas ever, I say one of the best mamas because I'm a pretty dang good mama too. So <laughs> you I- are a good mama. <laughs> you are. <laughs> well, guys, I hope you enjoyed uh, this episode. We look forward to um, talking to you next week um, when I present to you my testimony. And yes. um, I hope after that you continue to listen to us. No. <laughs> right, right. Yep. <laughs> And don't think we're complete losers. No, I'm just joking. That's a horrible word. But we don't have it all together. And that's what makes us have it together. Okay? Yeah. So, absolutely. And that's what makes us a sweet arrangement, people. It is. It is. We'll see you guys next week. Love y'all. Be a blessing and um, have a blessed week. <laughs>